This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. We talked about in our first episode today, you know, people were overreacting on TJ Watt's absence to the first day of OTAs. Then he shows up in the second day and looks like he'll be there for the rest of the way. Mm-hmm. Another big thing that people are overreacting at, Dan Moore Jr. running with the first-team offensive line over Broderick Jones. Now, I had said on this podcast that I would have liked to see Jones from Day the one. jump yep. get some reps with the first-team offense. I'm, I'm with you. Hasn't happened yet. Dan Moore yeah. is doing that thing in OTAs with the first teams playing that left tackle spot. And although it's not what I wanted to see happen— I am not going to lose my mind over it like a lot of people People might. are losing their minds. They are, and this is the Steelers' way. They like to, even if they don't you know, have realistic competition, they want the rookies to have the illusion that they got to mm-hmm. earn this thing. Mm-hmm. And you know, maybe with Jones, that illusion is presented towards him in this OTA minicamp setting so that when you get to training camp in St. Vincent, you can say, he had a really good OTAs. At minicamp, we decided to bump him up with the first team a couple of times, and he did great there. He's going to start a training camp with the first right. teams. And and really, in their mind, they can all along be like, he's our starting tackle. We knew we'll it start all along, in. yeah. But they get to do the thing that they like to do, which mm-hmm. is let the guy kind of the carrot earn out it. in front of him you a know, little I'm bit. You know, I'm using air yeah. quotes, earn it. Give him some hunger a little bit. Make him not as comfortable as I just slide right in yeah, and take don't, this job. Don't let it be such a given to him where he can coast through OTAs and not I'm the number 14 overall prove, pick. I, not show anything. I'm worth, way better than Dan right. Moore. Dan Moore was picked in the fourth round. He right. never made all first team SEC. I didn't give up a sack last year. Like, this is my spot. He has to feel that way and then go out and earn it. And that's, I think, what the Steelers like to, to present for their rookies. So... I would have liked to seen him run with the firsts, but I'm not, you know, anywhere close to being like pulling my hair out. This is the yeah, worst day of I'm my life him. because Dan Moore is still getting first team snaps. I'm with him. I Dan Moore getting first team snaps is gosh, what's the equivalent? Uh, it, it was the equivalent of Najee Harris not getting first team snaps in OTAs when Benny Snell and and Anthony McFarlane were still on the team and, and, and above him in the, on the roster, right? And, yeah, and... When you use your first-round pick on a guy of a position of absolute need, and yet you're going to say, oh, well, just because the other guys who have been here longer are getting the first-team reps in OTAs means I'm not going to start Najee Harris week one. And I know that Dan Moore isn't exactly on everybody's nice list when it comes to players for the Steelers, but he ain't a bum. So it's not like you're just rolling out some seventh-round pick that's been around this for a while. This isn't a guy who hasn't yeah. started the last two two years for you. He has, yeah. So it's not like you're just rolling out some dude as a figurehead to be like, oh, it's not Broderick's job yet. He's got to mm-hmm. earn it. Like, he's earning it off of the incumbent two-year starter at the position. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's not like they're doing this just for the ceremony of it. I think they might be a little bit. But you can explain why Dan Moore Jr. is running with the ones, you know? It's because not, he's done it each of yes, the last two years. He's the starter. Like, he has right. been the starter. <laughs> it's not like they went out, and it's it's not like how we covered in the last episode, Cole Holcomb or Landon Roberts in that position, a guy who hasn't been on the team once, and you could say maybe wouldn't be a starter on other teams. But Dan Moore has been your left guard or left tackle for each of the last two years. And I also want to just really stress that 
it all comes down to keeping Pickett upright, to making sure that Pickett doesn't miss many games, making sure that that's concussions don't become a trend for him, making sure that that's a one-off in his rookie season. And I just don't see how Dan Moore Jr. right now gives you a better better chance of keeping Pickett upright than Broderick Jones does. And, again, I don't care that they're doing it the way they are with Dan Moore getting first-team reps right now, but I just think that as you get closer towards September – Get closer to week one against the Niners. Mm-hmm. Go through your preseason games with Kenny, you know, doing the dress rehearsal mm-hmm. thing. There's just there's just no way unless he is way behind the eight ball, worse than you could have ever imagined, mm-hmm. that Jones isn't going to be the guy to, to be the left tackle and give Kenny the best chance to not get sacked. Yeah, I, I we, we've talked about this hypothetical before. Your life depended on it. Who would you rather have guarding Kenny Pickett? I want the on the blind side. Guy. Yeah, he right. Never gave up a sack. Right. I mean, it's not an indictment on Dan Moore. It's just you went out. You went out and you spent a first round draft pick that you traded up for to get to get Broderick. Let's Jones. put it this way: Did Dan Moore get any worse? I don't think he did. I don't think so. I mean, you look at the offensive line. The numbers prove Say that, that all, it got they all better. Got better. Yeah. So I don't think he got worse. I think that. He didn't take that amazing step forward, though. So I think what I think the best way to put it is his rookie year exceeded every expectation possible yeah, he, he because he should not unfair situation. He should not have been there as a rookie. And then you think, oh well, if he did that well his rookie year, he takes the leap now. Let's keep that trend going. Let's get on the growth path. And he didn't. He did not. No. And so did he do any worse? I don't think so. Maybe in some regards there were areas of weakness. Well, but my, my point being is like he didn't lose his job. No, he didn't do so they bad just upgraded. that they had to put they had to move like Kendra Green yeah, out to the tackle. They just upgraded. Right. And you should always look to upgrade. And you know what? A similar thing happened to Kevin Dotson, too. And yeah. it's funny, Tim was saying this when he was in for Madden this week, uh, when they were talking to Dotson, um, when they signed Erbig, the Steelers called him. And they were like, hey, depth guy, you're going to be competing for the mm-hmm. starting spot. Don't worry about it. And then a little bit later, they signed Big Ike. Ike. No phone call from oh. the Steelers. No, don't worry about it from the Steelers. I mean, that's a Pro Bowl caliber guy you just But here's in. the thing, too, is that you when you drafted, when the Steelers drafted Kevin Dotson, we were all saying, oh, man, this could be a steal. Yep. This could be the centerfold for. Especially after his rookie season. For too. the guard, right being such a mauler for the run game, this could be one of your centerpieces of your off- offensive line. And then you saw a slight regression. Like, do you remember at training camp uh, when it was at Heinz Field, right, in 2021? We had said, Kevin Dotson, we expect him to make the jump from really good rookie year into he can make a Pro Bowl this next year. And it didn't happen. And it didn't happen. And I kind of agree with the Steelers. I think when they brought in Herbig, just a guy to help out if Dotson goes down or if he needs a break every now and again, you can rotate the two of them if need be. But when you bring in Big Ike's a guy. Siumalu, he he is a guy. I mean, you you heard the uh Jason Kelsey press conference in Philadelphia. Which I always, you know, <laughs> smirk at because what's he gonna say? Hated that guy, glad he's gone. You know, he's gonna gas up his ex teammate. But I think he's being honest with it. He I, yeah, and he didn't have to say. I he, think we, I think we really, really lost 
an important like he could have just said piece. Ike was a big member of our team. Gonna be tough moving on from him. He expanded no, he, on he it. He said he's he, one of the smartest football players he's ever seen. He's one of the best offensive linemen in football right now. Those IQ is big too because it's a young offensive line. Right. If there's someone with some smarts, with some wisdom up there, that could go a long way. I also like how you know Jones and Big Ike makes life a little bit more uncomfortable for Daniels and Chooks as well because now Dan Moore could swing over to that right guard right. if Chooks isn't playing right tackle, excuse me, or guard even. Dan Moore, mm-hmm. a lot of people think he could be a decent guard. Um, Dotson, I, right now, I'd put Dotson and Daniels in a position battle. I, I know one that and, Daniels— Like 1A, 1B, yeah, or I guess I 2A, 2B behind Ike? That Daniels played—well, th- Ike's at the left side. I'm talking right side. I know. Here. I just meant in terms of His, hierarchy yeah. of guards, yeah. With— Daniels, I get that he was probably your best offensive lineman last year, but I don't think he was still anything to write home about to the point where you just anoint him as your right guard if you don't have mm-hmm. to. So I think Dotson is still in. The, you know, they called him after Herbig, said you'll still be battling for a starting spot. I think he still could be, but it's with an eye to taking Daniels' spot as opposed to that left guard spot now. So those moves on the left side of the line, you know, makes life a little bit less comfortable for the right side of the line, and I like that. I like that competition. I agree. Yeah, I think there is no need to, especially now with this with this offensive line. You remember a couple years ago we said, whoever the starters are, just get them on the field together because the guys you have at your starting positions and the guys you have at depth, they're all equally not fantastic. They're not spectacular. So just choose your starters and get them out there at the same time so they can get comfortable working together. But now when you bring in Broderick Jones, you have your center in Mason Cole, you have your stud at left guard for um, Big Ike. Those three are taken care of, right? The left side of the offensive line, you have no worries about, right? Do you not? I don't. I really don't. And so, Assuming Jones starts. Yeah. As, so then you look at the guys that Siumalu and Jones replaced, because I'm so comfortable with the left side of the offensive line, not just saying as my starters, but saying like th- that could be at least one pro pro bowler and big Ike Broderick Jones. If he pans out to the, to the degree that you th- expect a Georgia offensive lineman to, to achieve, he could also be a pro bowler at some point. So you look at the opposite side with four guys between Dan Moore, Chooks, James Daniels, and Kevin Dotson, I have no trouble saying just because Chooks and Daniels have been lining up on the right side means they're the guys moving forward at that position. I, I would be happy to just swing, uh, pull in, pull out. Whichever combination works best, that's, that's what I'm happy is moving forward with. If it ends up being Chooks and James Daniels, that's fine. But at least now you have the option to kind of experiment. On the other side of the ball, the rookie that a lot of people are keeping an eye on, obviously, is Joey Porter Jr., um, but with that cornerback room, they are big dudes. Porter Jr. is a big guy. Mm-hmm. Pat Pete's a big guy. Corey Trice Jr., the seventh-round pick, a big dude. We're going to play Patrick Peterson's interview in just a second with Dale and Matt from OTAs and listen to what he says about Corey mm-hmm. Trice and, and PZ Jr. Like He said he walked into the facility and just was kind of blown away with the size that the Steelers have. and. Pat Pete was really kind of the godfather when it came, comes to big corners. He, he talks about that as well in the interview, that like he was really one of the first guys that knocked that door down as like a bigger cornerback in the league. So Steelers trending in that direction, big physical corners, 
I really like the way that they're planning their future at the cornerback position. Yes. These receivers, man, they are just unicorns now. Yeah, and right. if you don't have the guys that have the size and up. speed, yeah. then I just think you're screwed. I mean, you need to be able to stop chasing the line of scrimmage every once in a while. You need to be physical enough to make these guys' life a living. How you need to be able to high point balls with Jamar Chases, with AJ Browns. And I'm not saying you're going to snag it away from them, but get a hand in there, knock it away from them at least. So, based on how the league is trending towards wide receiver play, I think the Steelers trending with bigger cornerbacks is a really smart move. I agree. I agree. A hundred percent, Tom. This is such a dire position, given that the talent you had at one point who is now gone and the talent you brought in to replace them, the expectations for those players. And like you said, not just the expectations for who they are as their names and their potential, but given the state of the, the NFL right now, how much emphasis is put on the cornerbacks to protect against, like you mentioned, stud wide receivers on really every team. Right, Some teams have a bunch of couple of guys that aren't spectacular, but I would say at least two-thirds of the NFL have a really talented wide receiver, and you need someone that can shut that offensive weapon down. You absolutely need to because it's a passing league now, and they're going to go with him over the, running, over the running game no matter what. Look at the Tennessee Titans. I think they're the only example that don't – that have a running back and actually use him to the degree of which they – they should, right? You look at Cleveland. They have two guys. They have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, and for some reason, they still insist on passing the ball more than giving it, handing it off to those two guys. I think Tennessee is the only example of which they have a running back that they ch- they choose to go with more so than the receivers. Other than that, you're playing stud receivers. Right, and like I said, game. I think you can look at two-thirds in the NFL and say this team has a stud. Yeah, it's just there's a big boom in that position group right now. Mm-hmm. You got to start adjusting to the other side and how to figure out how to stop these guys, how to figure out how to contain these guys. Uh, and like I said, Pat Pete's kind of the godfather of the big corner and mm-hmm. borderline Hall of Famer, probably going to get into the Hall of Fame one day, honestly, and great leader to have for a bunch of these young pups in that secondary, as well as Minka, who you know has been around the block a few times himself lately. But this is a wise veteran that you can draw from, a guy who has really achieved everything you can in the NFL individually. Hasn't won a Super Bowl. You know, the team stuff has eluded him. But individually, he's been an all-pro. He's been sniffed around for defensive player Mm -hmm. of the years. Like, he's got an incredible resume that these rookies can draw from. And he's also just an incredible interview. Uh, We're going to play back right now. Patrick Peterson sitting down with Dale and Matt from OTAs yesterday. And I can't stress this enough. Like, this is one of the more enjoyable interviews that I've listened to from a, a, Steel, a new Steelers player especially. Right. So here's Patrick Peterson sitting down with Dale and Matt yesterday at OTAs. And so we're pleased to be now joined now sure. by uh, Patrick Peterson. Uh, Patrick, uh, pleased to, to have you on the show here today. And uh, I know you're a little tired and sweaty and running around <laughs> out there, but uh, – you're also a pro at this. This is not anything new for you to sit down and do a little radio. Yeah, not at all. I, I, <laughs> it's always good to, you know, to recap practice and the seasons I've had in my career. So, and also being here with a new franchise, a new organization, new new uh, teammates, it's always a blast. How's yeah. that going? Yeah, well, welcome to Pittsburgh. It's great to have you. Yeah, thank you very much. It's going really well. Um, you know, being out here for the last two weeks, getting to know the guys, getting to 
getting the defense, you know, um, mm -hmm. really uh, understanding of the defense, um, and just really just building that that chemistry as a defensive back unit that we're going to need sure. throughout this uh, long season. So it's a lot of new faces in the room, mm -hmm. um, a lot of talented guys in the room. Now, you know, once July hit, you know, we have to continue fine sharpening our tools so when the season comes around, we'll be ready to roll. Now, a lot of people come from football families, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> you don't come from just a football family. You come from a cornerback family. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty unique that you, you see, like, the Manning brothers and, right. stuff, and stuff like that, but you don't often see, like, okay, these guys are all cornerbacks. Right. What's that like for you? Know? Man, you know, B-Mac, he was the one that started it out for us. <laughs> um, then you got uh, Walter uh, McFadden, then myself. Um, I guess it was just appealing to us, man. You know, all of us was very fast. Um, we had, you know, a unique skill position on the offensive side of the ball. But you have to depend on so many people on the offensive side. <laughs> <laughs> so, Nobody wanted to be a wide receiver. Yeah, exactly. You got to have a good quarterback. You got you to have a good line to protect the quarterback to uh, get the ball down the field. And when, when I started watching Brian play and the swag that he had, he just started telling me, like, you control your own destiny as a cornerback, you know. If you want to be as good as you want to be, go out there and shut down receivers. As a receiver, if you want to be as good as you want to be, you need a good quarterback. Right. You need a good offensive <laughs> line. You need a good play caller. You know what I mean? So there's so much that has to go in into being a, a, a prominent and a de uh, dominant offensive player. It's just defense. I, I believe it just came easier to me. And at the end of the day, I feel like I, c I can control my own fate and also play as long as I want it to versus taking blows mm. and – given the blow. Right, right. Okay. Well, I guess that leads me to the, my next question. You've had a tremendous career. I think it's a Hall of Fame career. But, you know, you're probably not going to be on your own island every snap right. anymore. Right. <laughs> you know, some of the things you do. I don't want to be. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, like, where do you see yourself? Yeah, you've been there and done point? that. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's not much uh, tread left on the tires. But, you know, I, I, I'm definitely, you know, putting myself and my body in the best position possible so I can continue to be successful as I want to be. Mm -hmm. You know, um, we all know the older you get, you lose a step. I understand that, but sure. I, I'm not losing this. You know, I, yeah. I'm still sharp. I still understand what defense offenses want to do and try to attack me in our defensive scheme. Mm -hmm. So I believe that's something that's going to help me stay in, this, stay in this game as long as I, I can because my mental side of the game is much sharper than, you know, my physical attributes. And your attributes are pretty good physically. Yeah. To start with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to you're starting from a higher floor right, right. Than, than a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when when I, I talked to Bryant uh, a few weeks ago about uh -huh. you, and I said, D do you see him maybe pulling a, a Charles or, or Rod Woodson here and, and playing into your late 30s? I mean, do, do you have that desire to do something like that and maybe make a transition to safety? Well, you know, my goal was always to at least get 14. And my goal was to get 14 at cornerback. That was mm -hmm. always my – Why that number? Because if you go back and look at guys that's in the Hall of Fame, you know, those guys played 12-plus years. Okay. You know, so if you're, if you're having that body of work and sustaining it for that period of time, mm -hmm. it's a nine times out of ten you're going to be in the Hall. Makes sense. Makes so sense. when I was coming out, even in high school, I was like, if I want to be in the Hall of Fame, if I want to be considered as one of these guys, A, I can't not only play good, but two, it has to be longevity. Okay. It yeah, has to Darryl be longevity. Exactly, yeah, because yeah, yeah. that that defined greatness. You just mm -hmm. can't be great for a year or two here, mm -hmm. then fall off the face of the earth, 
and we don't hear about him no more. And you see that a lot of corner. No you know, guy lasts one or two years. Right. And, then, nah, yeah. and so for me, if I was able to get that 14 and still be able to sustain the success that I did in my early career, I feel it. You know, I can I can write myself in the history book, but you know it's still a long way from now. And I just have to keep praying and leave it in God's hands. Good. We were talking uh, before you came on about the, your, your your trip to your your journey that took you to LSU, and I talked to Brian about that as well. Mm-hmm. And he said you kind of wanted to be like the godfather of you wanted to start your own kind of <laughs> tradition. Trendsetter. That's what and, I. That's and, what and I you really did that at LSU. Yeah, and that was my goal going there as well. You know, I had all the big power five schools coming after me um but what caught my eye and this is the guy on the street what caught my eye at lsu is that they never had a jim thorpe winner every hmm. every school that i went to, to usc florida state florida and they're Miami, probably selling you on that as well. exactly. hey come here hey, you can win the jim is, thorpe exactly. yeah. so when i saw that <laughs> i'm like first yeah my yeah. point is exactly so when i saw them like man you got all these guys at these major universities that that are um jim thorpe winners but lsu don't have one and on top of that the whole secondary was leaving so it was very oh, easy wow. for me to come okay. in there yeah. and play right now. Right. And the rest was history, man. I, I was, you know, men, how crazy is this? Me and Meek, uh, one of three players with the Chuck Bettineric and the uh, the Jim Thorpe, and now we're on the same team. Oh, wow. That's very cool. <laughs> so it's me, me, Minka, and Charles Woodson, the only players in college history to get both of those trophies in the same year. Well, that's a really unique perspective. I used yeah. to do recruiting next door, <laughs> and that, that's an angle I never would have thought yep. of. You know, yep. And I don't think it's an accident that the LSU defensive backs post-Patrick Peterson mm-hmm. are better than the ones before because right. they want to follow you, much like Dion at Florida State or something exactly. like that. That and makes a lot of and sense. And that was my whole goal mm-hmm. when I did pick a university, and it all fell in my lap. Yeah, it's great. What made this team so attractive for you? What, what, what brought you here? Uh, Coach Tomlin, for one. <laughs> you know, just 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 having an opportunity, you know, have him, had him on my podcast a couple of times, um, you know, played against him a bunch, and just seeing how he ran the team from afar, always was a big fan. And you had some inside knowledge. Exactly, with, with B-Max. <laughs> so always was a fan of Coach from afar, and his teams always prepared, winning season every year, so therefore he's giving his, his guys an opportunity not only to win but get into the hunt. And that's what a season there, there's there's a whole new season once you get into the into the hunt. So, coach always have his team very prepared, and um, I'm just very very excited to be a part of. It. And I can't wait to hear some of these famous quotes that he always does. <laughs> oh, you'll hear them. <laughs> <laughs> you will hear them for sure. <laughs> so, Pat, Patrick, last year I'm not making fun of the Vikings defense in uh, any way, but no. it wasn't a real diverse scheme. Right. Yep. Uh, do you expect things to be a lot different from a playbook standpoint here oh, than yeah. last year? I bet it's night and day. Yeah, it's definitely night and day. You know, in Arizona, uh, in Minnesota last year, it was a lot of eyes on the quarterback. Yeah, it was a yeah, lot yeah. of guys just were – we were relying on, you know, our, our edge rushers to get there, and the team started max protecting us, and it just made it difficult for us to, to be successful because when you're running a zone defense, all the receivers have to do is get into, you know, the holes and the, mm-hmm. and, and the windows of the, uh, of the zone defense and the quarterback and just deliver a strike there, especially when we're relying on four pass rushers to get there and they're blocking with seven. It's impossible, you know. Impossible, you know yeah. So, yeah, a lot of uh, so, and we had those things in our playbook, but that wasn't coach style. You know, he mm-hmm. came, he's a, 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 a Banjo disciple, so, you know, those guys like to depend on their edge, the too, edge control. That's yeah, what they yeah. call it, edge control. Yeah. Too the, high safety. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, um, it was just, you know, that's just something that coach lived with. And I'm going to tell you what really saved us is turnovers. 
I mean, we was probably – I can't remember where we landed, but I, I knew we was top six in turnovers, and I, I believe that's something you that – Contributed to that. Yes, yeah, that's right. something that definitely helped us continue to win ball games as bad as our defense was yardage-wise. Real Let's, quick, if I could yeah, just go ahead. double down. You guys, the Steelers grabbed another defensive back from that group too. I mean, what are they getting in chance? Oh, man, Sully, he's a smart player, Is tough he? player. Um, he's a guy – um, that fit, that fits this Pittsburgh really? mentality. He's good, a guy good. that's going to stick his face in the fan. Um, uh, Mostly from the slot, right? No doubt about yeah, it. Yeah. Mostly from the slot. High competitor guy. And like I said, he's a – I think Shannon is going into year seven, if I'm not mistaken. So he uh, – Well, look, but yeah, you're, I think you're right. Year, yeah. year seven. So, he, you know, he, he, he's been around the league. Um, this been is in, sixth year. Year, yeah, si yeah. year six. So, he's been in some big-time uh, uh, games. He understands, you know, the ramifications of games and getting his body and stuff prepared. So – we're definitely happy to have another veteran presence in the uh, room in Shannon. I bet he's happy to follow you here, too. No, no doubt about it. <laughs> I actually, I was like, Shannon, I think this this might be a spot that you want to come check out. And cool. I, I sh sure behold, he ended up signing. <laughs> Speaking of, uh, of that, um, one last question here for you. Uh, the Steelers go out and they draft two young cornerbacks who physically have a similar skill set. I thought you were a big corner. Then I saw man. that too. <laughs> I did too. <laughs> right. Holy smokes. Are, both of those guys are like They're Amazon, long, right? Man. Like corners, arms, and holy man. cow. I mean, I mean, I, I honestly, I think the biggest corner I've seen in the league was Jimmy Williams. If you you guys oh, yeah. remember that name? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And I was like, this guy's huge. He's yeah. a linebacker. But just seeing Trice and um, and Joey, right? I'm like, Jesus Christ, these kids getting bigger, man. Right. <laughs> but it's, it's it's awesome to see. You know the change in defensive back because I can remember in the '90s every corner was five eight. Yeah. You know, then when he got in the early 2000s, it started getting five ten. Then you know mid 2000, that's when you wanted to get six one, six six foot and taller corners yeah. because you'll be able to guard Mike Evans. Exactly. Because you know, the receivers started yeah. getting bigger. The right. receivers started getting faster. So you want to be able to match uh, the same size attributes outside the numbers, so it won't be such a disadvantage. I mean, you had to be one of the biggest corners in the league when you got drafted. Yeah, me and Sherman. Yeah. Yeah, man, oh, okay. yeah, man sense, Sherman yeah. was the the biggest corners coming out, and he always uh, he always uh, pulled my leg about it. It's like, man, I think we started something new, man. Like, everybody <laughs> wants Patrick Peterson, Richard Sherman's now. <laughs> not, a, not a bad role model. <laughs> yeah, well, if you're going to aim, aim high, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a couple of Hall of Famers. Is that right? <laughs> Our guest has been uh, Patrick Peterson, the Steelers' new cornerback. What, what an amazing interview from Pat Pete. Yeah. And, I love how honest he is with himself. Yeah, completely. Matt asks him about being on an island. You're not going to be on an island anymore. And he just says, yeah, there's not as much tread on the tire as there used to be. That's a good thing. I don't want to be on that island. And he was just saying, you know, I'm old. I've lost we a know step. It. Yeah, That's know natural. It. But you know what I haven't lost? And you couldn't hear it in the interview, but he pointed to his head up here. And that's where I can still get an advantage on an offense is I'm smarter than that offense. And that's I, I put myself <laughs> in a good position to succeed. And it's great to have that kind of mentality on a defense that, Loves veteran leadership like that. No, and, and again, you heard him at the end of the interview there talk about the size of Trice, the size of Porter Jr., and how he thought he was a big corner. And then mm -hmm. he comes in, whoa, look at those guys. They're, you know, kind of jaw-dropping when he, Patrick Peterson, sees them. Mm -hmm. You got to be really encouraged. Absolutely. I mean, Joey Porter Jr., you expect it. But Corey Trice, I think, also can make his way onto this team. I also love how he, you know, Asked about why, how much longer he really wants to play here. You know, he said 14 years. Follow up. Why, why 14 years? He figures that Hall of Famers play for 12 years, pretty much standard. Like if mm -hmm. you're in the Hall of Fame, you played for 12 years. 
So if I get to that 14, it'd be pretty damn hard for them to probably keep me out of the Hall oh, of Fame. Oh, wow. How about that? He seems to be a guy that just has had his head on straight from day, day one. one. I mean, mm-hmm. even him talking about going to LSU and you know saying they never had a Jim Thorpe Award winner for best defensive back in the country, and that was a big reason for him going there. He wanted to be that premier school's first winner of that award. Lo and behold, as he described, he ends up winning both the Bernard Dick, best defensive player overall, and the Jim Thorpe right. Award, best defensive back. Only three players have ever done that in the history of college football. He mentioned Charles Woodson won. The other one being Minka Fitzpatrick, his, uh, new, his new teammate mm, right now. Mm. So it was really funny for him to know that. And just that example right there, historian of the game. Right. To know Knows that those three game, guys did right. that, to know Minka's one Knows of them. Knows the game well. Mm-hmm. Great signing by the Steelers. I agree. I, this guy, again, like, hey, I don't even have to feel bad about saying this. He said it himself. Step slower. He's older. He right. has probably one of the higher IQs on this team, defensively for sure. Right. And... I just think that his mental acumen is still at a point where you can make him useful yeah. if you utilize him like the Pat Pete that he is now and not the all-pro that he was in Arizona. Right, correct. You can now listen to all of our Steelers Standard episodes. Just download and subscribe wherever you find your podcast at iHeart uh, app, the Steelers mobile app, Apple, Spotify. You know the names. Uh, OTAs done this week. Pick it right back up next week. Enjoy the Memorial Day weekend. We'll be back to talk to you later on the Steelers Standard.